Welcome to Nerds of the Old Republic. I'm Adam. I am Sean. And I'm Mike. And in each episode, we discuss a different book or film from the wide world of nerdum and pair it with a cocktail. Today, we're discussing Tamsin Muir's Gideon the Ninth and enjoying a necromancer cocktail. But first, thank you to the Good Pods community who have helped us continue to rate highly among other book and media related podcasts. If you enjoy our show and the topics we discuss, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram and say hello. We are at Nerds, uh, at Nerds of Old Republic. If you want to hear what we think about many other nerd-centric topics, don't forget to check out our More Than Just Books blog on Podbean. And of course, please rate and review us whenever and wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're celebrating our one-year anniversary, which, thank you, is the paper anniversary. I got you nothing. Same. Yeah. No, that would have been weird if we did. I brought gifts. I'm embarrassed. And a little hurt. <laughs> I'm... Good thing you left them in the car. There, yeah, there we go. And maybe I can return them. <laughs> Mike slowly shuffles a paper bag under his feet. It was a roll of paper towels. We all know what you're doing. <laughs> but uh, we are excited and grateful for a growing community of listeners who uh, listen to our witty banter on a bi-weekly basis. You know, we've recently switched to that release format, so we're looking forward to bringing you even more great nerd discussions. Lastly... If you want to read and watch along with us, we'll be diving into the world of The Witcher next month. Oh god, I really should have read this three times, seven times ahead of time. So get yourself a copy of Andrzej Sapowski's The Last Wish. That sounds about right. Thanks. Being Polish, I should have had that. Like, just, you know, out of my ass. But uh, (laughs) And check out the show on Netflix that uh, we are excited about. Reading Marlon James's new entry in his Dark Star trilogy, Moon Witch, Spider King. After that, so look for that conversation in the near future. Thanks again for being a listener and for sharing and uh, telling all your friends three or four times until they get really annoyed with you. And now, cocktails. All right. Co- oh, gosh, guys. I've been looking forward to this. So um, we have, is it a necromancer in front it of us? It is a necromancer. All right. Now, Sean, you did the mixology on this one. Would you mind just starting us off? What do we... What's in it? Oh, shit. Um, let me look over the table. Or what's not in it? <laughs> well, it, it's based on elderflower liqueur, Lilit Blanc, Lilit Blanc, sorry, a little dash of gin, and then, of course, our old friend from the last cast, <laughs> Absinthe. Hello so we gotta, again. Yeah, we uh, enjoyed it so much last yes. time that we just thought we would have some more. We needed to use up that bottle, so... Uh, yeah, well, otherwise, we had to reimburse Mike for yes. the bottle he bought, <laughs> yep. and we had two drinks each from it, period. Oh, and there's lemon juice in there. It's freshly yeah. squeezed, bitches, so, yeah. It is there like glitter in this, or it's am cer- I hallucinating? It certainly looks like it. Jeez, it's like one of those like like gel lip balms that a woman would put on that From makes the her 90s. yeah that makes the lips all sparkly. <laughs> Did Mariah Carey make this drink? Oh, nice deep cut. Yeah, there you go. Well, you know the uh, the man himself who who uh, pushes absinthe on us relentlessly, uh, Ernest Hemingway. I don't think he would be as excited about this one because of the glitter. Yeah, I think. Where did that come from, though? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. But I'm hoping that, you know, uh, Papa Hemingway is is mistaken because we were not a fan of his drink. No. And I have high hopes for this one. You know what? It could be the uh, oils from the lemon 
there's a lemon uh, twist in there too, and that maybe that's what we're seeing congeal on the top. I don't know. It's yeah, because it refuses to uh, mix in with the rest of the liquor. It's not sublimating. Yeah. <laughs> we're selling this one hard. Unlike my feelings, it's not <laughs> sublimating. Oh. So you know, as you right. smell it right away, I get. Absinthe. I get that absinthe nose. That's all you get. <laughs> Sorry. There's no lemon. There's you know what, though? Else. It's called the necromancer. <laughs> yeah. It looks great. It yeah. looks like there's a slice of bone in our drink. Hey, right now. all right. So, well, and Sean has also served them in these beautiful glasses with the uh, buffalo artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish them. I could give the artist a shout out, but I don't know who it is. That's okay. Well, then you should just take credit. Yeah. <laughs> I painted these by hand. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Swirled the buffalo and everything. Well, yeah. gentlemen. All right, cheers. Cheers. Uh, marginally better. Than... The absinthe <laughs> is not as upfront. Yeah. It's a little tastier than the last absinthe-based mm-hmm. drink we had. But yeah, it's a little less aggressive, I would yeah. say. I, I don't know if this is something that I would order in a bar. No, I, I would not. Well, and with all the liquor in it, it'd probably be like a $30 drink, too. Yeah. That's it is it. Raising the Dead, though. That's... Ooh. Ooh, I like the pull there. Yeah, you know. Yeah, the cut of your jib is perfect. <laughs> I could have made a joke about bringing up a bone, but, you know, it's like, no, not this. <laughs> not yet. That's, what, that's where this podcast is going to devolve into. Pretty With all the necromancer <laughs> jokes coming up, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to try hard to avoid it. Uh, Mike and Sean read the show notes ahead of time and asked me to avoid certain <laughs> topics, and one of them was boning jokes. So... You know, well, as long as they're, pony. as long as it doesn't catch us off guard. Sean That's asked fair. you that because Sean just wanted to make those jokes himself. That's <laughs> weird. Like you're revealing it. I stole his thing. I know I did. Stay tuned for our uh, spinoff uh, podcast coming soon, though, where we just drink a different absinthe drink every week <laughs> until <laughs> that bottle is until gone. we find one that we like, or yeah. until the bottle is gone. Yes, brought to you by the fine absinthe <laughs> distillers of right. America. Add seven pounds. It's like um, cranberry juice or grapefruit juice. You add seven pounds of sugar. You drink, and it's a liquid. That's still <laughs> shitty. Yeah, that's all right. You know what, though? To quote Dave Chappelle, it'll get you drunk. Yeah, it will. Yeah. It is like cough syrup and... Yeah, nice. Thank you. Nice. For the Chappelle quote. Yes. Thank you. It is cough syrupy. It's I kind of got the crunk juice kind of thing. <laughs> All right, well, maybe we can just distract ourselves by talking about the book. Yeah, let's do that. You know, right. we're, we're uh, reading, or we read, Gideon the Ninth by Tamsin Muir, mm. and we usually start with, like, personal backgrounds. This is this author's first book. Yeah. So besides me seeing the cover on Instagram and in libraries, I have no personal background whatsoever. Like, I was excited for it because of the cover. I'm holding off on reading the quote that we've been saying all week actually but uh how about you gents uh, my my beginnings and ends was when my wife brought it home from the library for me after i'd requested it and i was like oh you're going to the library pick that up for me would you she brought it home and she's like what are you reading and she's like look like this cover is really interesting Quit and i'm like judging me yeah you know it uh i don't know i have no idea i had a complete blank coming into this so my history with it was that I uh, I bought it whimsically. It was on display at Barnes and Noble. I looked it up and uh, I saw that it was you know very trendy and that people seemed to really like it. The description of it, I mean, it hit a lot of notes that you know resonate with me. Go ahead, um, you can be the one who reads it if you want okay. to. Okay, I mean, mine mine didn't say the whole quote. Mine oh, said, "You want this version." This is the said, greatest book blurb quote yeah. I have ever seen in my life. Only on the hardcover, apparently, because Mike has the paperback. Yes, and it says it says this part. It says lesbian necromancers explore a haunted Gothic palace in space. 
I was in. Had I mean, yeah. the picture and that alone. But this hardcover uh, that you guys have provided goes goes on, <laughs> and it adds: decadent nobles vie to serve the deathless emperor. Skeletons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well done, well done. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's some fine writing right just there. Just the word skeleton by itself with an exclamation mark. But I it, mean, did you say more? I mean, the, pic- the picture, the description, I mean, the swords, the space, the dark fantasy aspect. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I was so in for this shit. I thought, oh, sure. man, if there was like a target audience for this, like I'm probably it. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that, that struck a lot of, or checked a lot of boxes for me. When I heard about it, like the way it was being described, it kind of reminded me of this terrible movie. I don't know, it was the 70s or 80s called Ice Pirates. Never seen. <laughs> I don't know if you guys sounds have like ever it's on my watch list now. It sounds fucking awesome. It's very similar in vibe, just fucking mm. batshit crazy space, <laughs> like pirates, swords, weirdness. It, this kind of was like striking that nerve. I'm like, oh, really? It could be like that. And then I read it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I have a I have a confession to make. When I was in high school, do you remember the Games Workshop uh, store that was in the mall that had like the miniatures and then you would play like tabletop games yeah, with like it? Yeah, like Warhammer 3000. It was Warhammer, yeah. yeah. So this made me think of Warhammer a lot because mm. there's an emperor, there's space factions. Is he deathless? He is, actually. Really? He's an ageless, deathless empire, but he's kept alive just like uh, a Sith Lord we all hate now. By machines. <laughs> He's strapped to machines and stuck there. Does he have unlimited power? Yes, he does, actually. Okay. Well, He's got go. unlimited telepathic, psychokinetic powers that let him navigate the universe and controls other people around. Is there a space fantasy that does not involve some sort of emperor? Think about it. They all have an emperor. Every fucking one of them. <laughs> I mean, now I'm getting incensed because Damn what was Trump? the last... Think yeah. about it. We, Dune. We did Dune. Fucking yeah. Emperor. Yeah. Gideon the Ninth, they got an Emperor. Fucking emperor. Uh, that thing we were just talking about, like Warhammer? Warhammer. Got an, Star oh, Wars? Emperor. emperor. Everything's got an Emperor. Mm-hmm. Can't we like have like like a municipal council or something? Or like yeah. a triumvirate? Well, I, I think that that was the idea behind Phantom Menace. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring up Phantom Menace, but I literally... <laughs> where, we get, where you get lots and lots of like uh, diplomacy mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. you know senatorial proceedings. That's and, what I'm here for, man. I'm here for the red tape. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Said everybody. I'd like to make a motion that we consider making another motion to go to war after we send diplomatic teams over to this other place. No, I just want to fucking shoot something with a space laser. <laughs> we said people gonna die. Uh, <laughs> save it for the next one. Oh, uh, sorry, sorry. Like, no, I'm okay. jumping the gun here. No, 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 that's fine. That's fine. Um, but yeah, that it gave me vibes of that because a lot of the, um, a lot of the like, space factions like, have very strict religious rules and stuff that they follow. And there was even, um, uh, you could buy just the spaceships and battle the spaceships in mm. space, which I spent a lot of money That's like a good way to get kids money. Yeah, because each of the spaceships was, like, 30 bucks, and you needed, like, five. I thought and five bucks for a Ninja Turtle was expensive. I know, but they, they all had, like, gothic architecture on them. Oh, so it was, like, okay. a, a floating um, flying buttress, gotcha. essentially, Interesting. that you would battle. Uh, I sucked... Because I'm terrible at logic and reasoning and planning. And so I stopped playing and sold them all. But that's what I thought of after I got like five pages into the book. Cool. And yeah. the very things that made you bad at that game became a strength when you became an English teacher and a podcaster. I appreciate <laughs> that. That's part of your nerd credentials, then. Wow. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know. Nerd up. All right. All right. So, um, you know, I appreciate coming into a book 
blank. You know, because so much of the content we've come to, we've had history, which is great in some ways because, you know, it's revisiting an old friend or it's um, uh, adding on to something you know about. But I guess we should just kind of go into um, the first thought we had was, you know, does that whole necromantic fantasy magic ideas fit with the sci-fi? How'd that jive for you guys? I, uh, when I read or watch uh, stories set in space, I actually prefer the fantasy. Uh, that's just me as, as you know, a consumer of fiction. But, um, you know, that's why I love Dune. That's why I love Star Wars. Uh, you know, because they're not really science fiction. There's technology in their space, but they're, they're fantasy. And they hit all the tropes and all the, you know, fictional narrative expectations of a fantasy. That was another thing that attracted me to this. Like, they're in space, but there's very little... You know, science fiction is a the technology is central to the plot, and that doesn't really exist here. I mean, yeah. there's there's references to machines, but those aren't explained like how they work. In fact, the characters in the book don't know how half the shit works. It's yeah. like described as ancient, and um, you know, there's one point where they're like the water pipes were surprised to be being used. Yeah, you remember that? in, in so, the like... <laughs> second study or in the study they went to where they got right. the first theorem. Right, it's very twentieth century feeling. Actually, Ex- yeah. It is. So it has a very it has a very fantasy in space feel, mm-hmm. um, and it has a very dark you know gothic fantasy in space feel, um, which you know again I mean there's a lot more to say about it, but just to answer that specific question, I loved that. That worked for me. Yeah, Sean, I'm a fantasy first guy too, all the time. Like that's what makes Star Wars so interesting to me is the fantasy aspects of it. Like you know laser swords. Yeah, but. Um, he says wearing his Mandalorian shirt. But that's coming later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, uh, I don't know. I just something in reading this book didn't connect with me. And we can get into it as we get into more topics. But I mean, the space part almost felt like an afterthought. Like this whole mm-hmm. thing could have taken place on one planet. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it was almost like needlessly shoehorned into the story. And there was all this world building of this you know, solar system spanning, I'm assuming, or even more, empire with all these planets, nine planets, I'm assuming again, and all this stuff. But none of that mattered. None of that really meant anything in the end. And, like, even when, like, you get... Can I, should I spoil the end? Is that okay? Can I get there already? Oh, we, yeah. I, we always assume that people have read the book or they're going to read it based on the strength of our commentary of the book. So, yeah. Excellent. Well, the uh, when the emperor finally, like, appears and it's, like, on his flagship and all that, it's like, I mean, it just didn't feel like anything. It, yeah. Like, I expect when there's space fantasy, some sort of grandeur yeah. with the fact that it is sort of, like, tangential to sci-fi, but there's still that, like, epic scope. Like, Star Wars, the Star Destroyers are always menacingly huge Mm -hmm. or like there's just that like that element of it that blends so well with the fantasy and this it didn't work for me yeah and i mean i i agree with a lot of what you're saying i i think that it worked for me in the beginning and then it Mm -hmm. it kind of lost the way along the way um i i remember when i you know first was pitching this book as a possibility i was about 90 pages in and i was fucking loving it at that point um, I think all the stuff where we're on the, the or at the house, the ninth house, um, you know, there's, it really takes its time. It establishes the characters, the dialogue between the two of them, uh, Gideon and Harrowhark, I think is just 
fucking fantastic. It describes like where they are right down to like the bioluminescent like dust on the like gothic spires and it like looks all like that it's shit. Glitter raining down. Yeah, and yeah. like if you know, there were so many times where I would pause and I would picture that shit, mm-hmm. like where they go down into like the sub basement and like they're searching through like ancient swords to find like just the one she needs. Like there was so much shit there that I was like, this is fucking awesome. Yep. It's fantastic. Then as soon as the plot like kicked in and they went to like the first uh, planet or whatever it's called, the mm-hmm. house of the first uh, yeah. Canaan house. Yes, thank so, you. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, then it became like uh, Clue, the board game. Yeah, you know? I mean, it just yes. it just lost all that shit uh, it very was quickly. Like Clue. Yeah. Oh my so, god, great. Yes. Well, yeah. There you go. Mike can have that bell for no, no. Let it ring next oh, time. Oh, sorry. Let it ring out. All right. So, there you go. Uh, <laughs> I always like to be devil's advocate. Maybe it's just, you know, teacher training kicking in. This is the first book of four. And so I'm thinking that we're going to see more of that universe expand out. Now, you know, granted in the first episode of Star Wars, because that's to which we're comparing it currently, Mm -hmm. uh, just in conversation. Yeah, I know we saw a few planets in that first movie itself. I'm hoping that it plays more into uh, once we see um, Harrowak being a... uh, Lictor? Is that how we're saying it? Sure. Yeah. So if you're just tuning in for the first time on the podcast, I'm the guy who doesn't pronounce things correctly. <laughs> so I'm sorry. You can cringe. It's okay. Um, so like maybe as she travels, you know, either with the emperor or gets sent out on missions or whatever a Lictor does, we'll see more of that grand universe. Yeah, but I take issue with that because when you're creating like a singular novel which yes granted it's part of a larger grouping of novels but it should still have the ability to stand on its own Mm -hmm. and if i have to like for that kind of world building payoff if i have to wait that long for it i feel like that's that's a miss you know like she built a lot of really like you were saying mike a lot of really interesting ideas with just some really cool shit and then it's, like, completely forgotten. Yeah. There's yeah. no, like, you know, like a good narrative. There's payoff for that kind of stuff. And there was zero payoff to any of the world building she did, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. Um, there was enough here, mostly just because I I really like the idea, the concept, I, and I like the, the atmosphere in parts of the book, that I might... You know, continue on and hope that, you know, this was her first book. It was a first novel. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe uh, there's enough, like, fans of the series that maybe maybe it improves. And maybe, you know, the, the yeah. narrative gets tighter and, and the stuff that works comes out. But um, this, you know, this, this, this book both impressed me and, like, severely disappointed me all at the same time. I agree with that take. You know what? That's, that's a fair middle ground. Um Especially so we don't piss off the Gideon fans because they are rabid on the internet. Are they? <laughs> it's rivaling Hunger Games fans no from what I can see okay, look, on the web. we got to make this disclaimer. I think we need to do this as much as we can. Piss we, off the fans? Well, yeah. But besides pissing people <laughs> off, because that gets clicks. Sure. We are English teachers. We are students of literature and the form. And I think... We're nitpicking things because that's what we do. Mm-hmm. We analyze, we dissect. We destroy the things you love. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I enjoyed reading the book. I kept I picking did. it up. I, I kept really reading it. it. I didn't sit there For and sure. go like, fuck this. I took that back out. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> there you go. I took it last episode. If you haven't listened, go back and listen to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, always listen to our old stuff. Back catalog is great. But uh, I just, I, I, 
I think we're we're gonna be critical because that's what we're doing. Yeah. In the end, I think all three of us enjoyed reading it. It's not like I'm sitting yeah, here going absolutely. like this yeah. was a like like a, like a death slog to get through. It wasn't. It was oh. it was enough enjoyment there that I think she did a fine job with this. It's oh. just there are certain things that we wanted more out of. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. And and I think there's there's a role for criticism as opposed to like you know mindless trolling or something yeah like which that, is not what which not is what not we what we're doing we I mean, do that on the yeah. socials you're here for the intelligence <laughs> the socials is where we troll people but yeah no i, I completely agree and uh i think it's because we like it so much we pick because we liked it yeah. true right like we nitpick you only hurt the ones you love that's true yeah oh i must be loved a lot oh. <laughs> although i did read the uh the overview of the next novel Oh, di- oh. I, I'm not gonna go there. No. no. See, I did too, and, and I didn't. Yeah. That's what made me interested. Really? Yeah. It's, it's you and I had the opposite reaction. <laughs> I read it. I was going like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> really? I'm not. T- so maybe you read a more detailed one. I there read the like this blurb mm-hmm. on the cover. No, version. I read the Wikipedia overview. Oh, okay. I didn't see any answers. <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't get skeletons. Yeah. <laughs> I got a little bit more into it. I'm like. She goes in some weird places. See, look how detailed you are. I saw skeletons, and I was like, I'm in. (laughs) It sounds interesting to me. It doesn't take much for me either, so don't feel bad. Uh, It's all good. I'm in the school of Tolkien where everything was minutely poured over for decades before he finally put it to print, you know? She didn't create her own language? Fuck her. Yeah, exactly. What's actually making these skeletons adhere together? Is it some sort of adhesive, or...? (laughs) I need to create some sort of a mythology that explains all of this. I need an appendix for Thanergy, please. (laughs) What the fuck? You need to explain that shit, and if it's not deeper than George Lucas and Metachlorians, go fuck yourself. You know, I think this... You mentioned an appendix. we got to talk about it, because Mike and I both had the same take. I'm not sure how you felt about it, but I could not keep track of anybody in this goddamn book. Oh, God, no. I had so much trouble. Gideon? and Harrow were the only ones that I was like I actually knew who they were and and Dulcinea maybe that Dulcinea. one yeah uh, towards the end was there dying. was a few that she focused on I'm like yeah. okay I'm getting a sense of who they are but right. like from the point where everyone lands in their shuttles to the point where it's like okay we're walking through the castle this person does this this person I'm like who the oh hell God. are these people oh my I God. forgot yeah. there's a dramatis persona in the front yeah because I just didn't go back to look yeah and I, and I think that's a great like, I mean, when you get into epic fantasy, you know, it's not uncommon for us to read books that have many, many, many characters. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And either the author does just a really nice job with the narrative to the point where you don't need to go anywhere else. They situate you in that world and you know who the characters are. Or yeah. you're enjoying the plot so much that you're motivated to put in the work, whether that's a dramatis personae or going on the Internet and, you know, bringing up a reading guide or whatever. And so just yeah. so you can keep track of who those characters are. I quickly figured out when they got to uh, Canaan House, mm-hmm. I was like, well, I'm just, if, I, if I'm vaguely aware of what yeah. Gideon and yeah. Arrowhawk are doing, I'm like, it's I'm fine. good. I'm I like, don't need to know who these people oh, are. Oh, that's a Cavalier. That's a Necromancer. And sometimes I got those confused, but not enough where that's I got fun. like really like and off. So once they start doing the bad mojo mute, uh, magic, yeah. I was like, that's a Necromancer. Right. I'm okay now. Just right. to underscore the math behind this problem, though, sure. right? There's, there's nine houses, yeah. and there's at least two, if not more, Mm-hmm. You know, from each house. Didn't the third the twins, house had three, right? Right, right. Twins exactly. So, and they yeah. all have, you know, they all have, you know, space names, right? Which is confusing. <laughs> then they have nicknames. Then they have their like positions or their yeah. titles, uh-huh. yeah. and then they also get referred to by their numbers all yes. the time, right? Which, so, which did help me a little bit in sorting out who is the who numbers helped. Yeah. If you go back to the right. front of the book, it's like the ninth house. 
uh, Keepers of the Locked Tomb yeah. and all this other stuff. But it's another moniker to remember. Yeah. And if you're already talking about nine houses with the, I mean, so yeah. you're already talking about, tw- let's say, 20 characters, yeah. right? And then on top of that, you've got the nicknames and you've right. got the honorifics yeah. and you've got the numbers. I mean, you're looking at like 35, 40, 45 different names you're trying to remember for these characters. It, and they just pop in for like dialogue once in a while. Yeah. yeah. It's like you look at the main characters. You got Gideon, you got Gideon the Ninth, Griddle. Right. I think there's at least one other one she was called. Nav. 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 Gideon Nav. And then there's Harrow Hark. Harrow Hark, Nunajessimus. Mm-hmm. Harrow. Like, and then, like, the, what is it? The Reverend Daughter. Like, all Reverend of these. Reverend Daughter. Um, the um, Daughter of the Locked Tomb. Yep. Yeah. The. Um, Oh my God. We're not stealing like from the lightning more. round here, by the way, are we? <laughs> no, I oh went. I went deeper on the lightning round. Good <laughs> this, luck. Okay. It's like freaking. Uh, she had like a name fetish. Yeah, and it's like yeah. I just want to create names, and then the story came from the names. It's like a random know. name generator. Yeah. <laughs> Bing, give me, but that being said, like I did find the names appropriate, and this is kind of a good time to switch over to the language because it sometimes it's very highly elevated mm-hmm. yeah. almost like formal renaissance and because of the social structure i think right. you know the hierarchy between the necromancers the calves teacher poor teacher yeah just gets teacher fuck that guy the teacher what a tool. always get fucked over. what a, yeah <laughs> amen and then he was um, dead anyway but then you get like true gideon who's like like we all are anyway <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you can't see it, but I'm pouring one out for all of this right now. Sorry, Adam, you were making yeah. some kind no, of intelligent uh, point here. Oh, thanks. Uh, well, faking it. Uh, no, I was just going to ask about the language, because it's very elevated at some points where, oh, you know, think... Oh, Adam hasn't done his sex references in a while. I have not. I've slowed that down. <laughs> I'm going I'm to allow faking it to get all in right. there. Oh. <laughs> to get in there. That's very kind that. of you. Um, but... Uh, and then at other times, Gideon is very current with the language right. and the way that they speak. So, you know, what did you think of that? I, like, I, this is one thing I thought was brilliant about the book. I think that that is a really, really hard line to walk. She's bringing in all, like you said, all the old gothic shit. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this is like reading... Um, you know, Bram Stoker or something. Cloistered nuns of the locked tomb exactly. who are praying like, on their knuckles. It's that very decorated prose yeah. of, of, you know, of that is traditional for the gothic genre. Um, but then she's inserting all this modern parlance. You know, Gideon will suddenly, you know, be like, you know, that's what boss. That or fu- yeah, exactly. Fuck, 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 Right, fuck. which yeah. I think, like, that, that would be really easy to fuck up either because a it would just wouldn't work it would clash or b because it would be an interesting gimmick that would have a shelf life and run out and somehow tamson muir does this for me i thought brilliantly like at the end of the book i was still laughing at some of that shit Mm -hmm. you'd have this like paragraph of like really old-fashioned gothic prose you know and then uh you know gideon would say something like really clever and modern and like i just was still chuckling to it i i think that the author must have worked hard on that or else it just comes very naturally to her uh but i thought that was one of the strongest points of the book Mm, like really nice I, this is where you're wrong, and I'm gonna I'm gonna have to be counterpoint. Are you sure, that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> I'm just yeah. for the conflict, because the internet likes conflict. Oh, we gotta have drama. Yeah, uh, you know, some parts were okay with that, but I found it kind of jarring at times. It's like mm-hmm. it's like pick a fucking voice, okay? And it's like, you know, I I all right, I'm just gonna say it. 
I felt like there was just like too much millennial in this goddamn book. <laughs> oh. Nobody said the words like "okay, boomer." Yeah, but I felt like bad. it. The well, whole this book came out before that well, phrase came out. Old. Otherwise, that might have been 2019, right? Oh, 2019 was around the time that "okay, boomer." I don't know. Was, you know, maybe not. And you know, she's a she's a Kiwi, a New Zealander, so. That's a different. There was, you know, what was funny. I kept reading and I kept like picking up on some of those, uh, you know, Australian, New Zealand mm-hmm. kind of like subtext in some of the writing, and I'm like, oh, that's cool because I, I, I have family in Australia, and it's shout out to Australia, some of our downloaders. Yeah, yeah. And New Zealand yeah. by uh, by proximity, but mm. I just felt Didn't like see any on the map actually. I like the the. Like you said, the decorated prose was like just like interesting, and mm-hmm. it was always with the world building part of things. But then when she got into the dialogue and the character stuff, it's like it felt like a child was writing it. It's mm. like I've read like fan fiction from some of my students at school that felt like <laughs> the same kind of voice. And to me it was just sort of like I I at times it was good, like you said, mm-hmm. but most of the time I sat there going like, oh really? Yeah. <laughs> I, this I, is one of those things that probably depends on the reader it's and we should we should thing. point out that you know sean is the oldest person in the podcast <laughs> this is true by far <laughs> yeah and, i am uh, i'm a whole rotation I, around the sun older than you like exactly sean, sean, sean is exactly day. one year they do share yeah, a birthday that's yeah. correct so, fucking weird as that is <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna be you know the the stereotypical host role and say well, what if it was to denote the different social positions? Well, that's another point. Okay. Right. Gideon was abandoned Nothing. on... Nothing but she was abandoned on the ninth there as a baby. Uh-huh. Why does she not have the same basic, like, thought, speech, everything else? Is ever, she, it's like she's different because... Okay, we fight... Well, I know why she's different. You can You guys don't it. know why yeah. she's different, but... Yeah. She did say it. Well, I'm spoiling it from the Wikipedia read I did. Oh, yeah. Don't do that. I'm not going to do it. Did you not finish? No. no, (laughs) Well, because you said you're spoiling it from the Wikipedia read. Yeah, of the second book. Oh, of the second book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't want to... Yeah. Stick to book one. She's from... And that's another thing that pissed me off. It's like (laughs) she builds up this whole Gideon comes from somewhere else. We don't know. Her mom, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, I get you want to save some things for the later oh, books, but yeah. there needs to be another thread towards the end that pulls that back. It wasn't there. She was born of the Force, Sean. You, you don't Just know. Just like Rey. She wasn't. That's the I'm thing. I'm sorry. That's my beef. That's my beef with Star Wars. <laughs> right? Fucking immaculate conception of Rey and Luke. Go fuck yourself. I mean, not Luke. No, but... Rey wasn't born of the Force. She was Palpatine's son's kid and Luke I refuse to accept that as conception. Yeah. yeah. That, that Anakin, I, I Anakin, back, Anakin, Anakin the right chosen away. one. Anakin God was. damn it, Anakin. <laughs> I, I walk back my statement that I'm going to get my ass handed to me when it comes to Star Wars. For <laughs> no, sure. Anyway, what, what, I don't even know where I was going with this. Language. You didn't like the yeah. fact that Gideon was colloquial and everyone else was high, ornate, gothic. Right. She it, That... Now, for style points, fine. Great. That mm. works. But there was no reasoning behind it. Mm. Nothing. And then, like, oh, man. Then, like, the friggin', like, oh, we've got the, uh, like, all of this, what do they call it? The uh, the army or the military she wants to join up with. The cohort. Uh, the cohort. And we've got, like, all this other idea and these other things going on. And she's got, like, titty mags that she likes to read and, like, which I was t- hilarious. I, I, I thought that, that was funny. I thought that was hilarious. No, that's really cool. <laughs> Bribing people with titty mags. But, again, it all got shuffled away to the yeah. side. Like, it, it completely dropped. Yeah. And it's like, how many fucking stories are you trying to tell? I thought, so, when I got to the end, my thought was all of the whole, like, the heavy-handed first three chapters of Gideon being, like, you know, uh, a lesbian, 
was pretty much just to set up her infatuation with Dulcinea, Dulcinea, that one, that character. Because she was, according to everything I read on the internet after my reread, because I, I read the book, like, some parts of it twice, she was drawn to that character because, you know, she likes women. But then that was also setting up some conflict in the plot between her and Herowak and, um, well, you know, what happens later. But see, I didn't get the, the sexuality of their attraction. I mean, she it was talked not very about strongly, her. Right. Yeah, but she after, talked the, to, after the first couple chapters. Right. But the Corona girl, she was all over that one because mm -hmm. she's hot. And she kept saying, like, she's and like. And every time she was in a tank top, she's like, I couldn't look away. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I get yeah. it. I understand that I'm part of you. it. But like the, the Dulcinea thing, that was also kind of an awkward relationship it was it wasn't yeah. sexual like it wasn't motherly girl. it wasn't sisterly it was something else it was different. it was almost like a servitude because of position yeah a little right bit, yeah. because gideon was i think realizing that she's a fake cavalier and this person's an actual i'm using air quotes you can't see it on the podcast sorry actual necromancer well, so, so was Hyrohark. I, yeah. I think it was more empathy for her. Like, that was the one sure. that passed out when she got out of her shuttle, and she immediately felt this sense of protection. Rancho, like, yeah. I have to protect this person. And, and kept I kept checking her out on the veranda and, right. like, feeling that sense of duty. Yeah. Right, yeah. It was more of, like, that basic human decency. Like, this person needs someone to watch out for them. Yeah. So we're kind of blasé about... Like, I liked the fact that there was another sexuality represented in the book and that it wasn't heavy-handed. It wasn't like... Super subtle. Gideon likes yeah. ladies, and here is for you right. a person who likes women. But that's why, like, the thing on the cover... Sorry, Mike, I'm that, joking. Yeah, no. It's, it's like, it's not lesbian necromancer. No. I didn't see that. It, I think... It, why I, put that on the cover? It didn't I matter. That's sensationalism by Charles Strauss. It's that's gotta be. I think that... I don't know. Yourself, I, I don't know. I think that... You know, like... I, for me, this was another strength of the book. Uh, I, I I didn't want this to be a book that was trying to be like a victim narrative mm -hmm. about that stuff or uh, instructional in any kind of like moral way. Like I wanted these characters to be that just because that's what they were. I, I mm -hmm. think that I don't know. There, you know, there's there's a time and place for like you know the more. There, there's a time and let me put it this way: there's a time and place for like Django Unchained, if we're going to do the issue of slavery, and there's a time and place yeah. for like Twelve Years a Slave. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. And I wanted this one to be Django Unchained. Like I wanted, sure. I wanted, wanted the, the issue to be there, but yeah. I didn't want it to be like the point. It was yeah. like Saga. It yeah. succeeds in the same yeah. way. Yeah, it's yeah. just who they are. Sure, I agree. That's fine. Sure. I love that. That's what I wanted, and and that's what this was. You know, like she's got her, as we've said, we, you know, she's got her like titty mags and. Um, you know, she's got the hots for Dul Dulcinea and, um, you know, and the same thing with Harrowhark. You know, we find out that, like, it all had to do with her, like, getting a crush on, like, the secret dead thing in the tomb, you know? Yeah, the, the beautiful thing locked in the tomb. Right. And, uh, you know, but, but that stuff was never, like, you know, I wanted this to be more about, like, the gothic you know, space fantasy of it, and I just thought it was cool that these characters were that way, and, and I thought that was the strength of the book. I thought it was well done. No, I agree. I think, you know, I think that's one of the things we were going to talk about was, like, the sexuality and all that stuff, mm -hmm. and it's, since, like you said, that's the perfect word. It's sensationalized yeah. on the cover, but needlessly. It yeah. didn't make me want to buy the book. No. It's like seeing that, my, I'm not going to sit there and go like, oh, wow, well, I'm, I'm titillated by this idea of lesbian <laughs> uh, necromancers. Yeah. That is for the use of the word <laughs> the titillated. titillated. Thank you. Yeah. I, I'm not. I just, yeah. I felt like that was just their natural, it wasn't done yeah. for the sake of shock. And I think that's like the second wave of allowing more than just cisgendered 
straight sexuality into a book. It doesn't have to be a big thing. Right. It's just who they are. Exactly. Yeah, and I didn't take issue with it. I liked how it was treated at first. It was very, like, sarcastic, offhanded, introduced, and then um, dropped, I thought, because of context more than anything. You know, mm-hmm. Gideon wasn't there, like, trying to piss off Crux or trying to, like, kill Herok. Um And so I thought it was kind of, like, downplayed because yeah. of that. She was in a situation where she felt less powerful than she truly was. And so she didn't feel like she could take on that role of, like, sarcastic, um, uh, either, like, physical or, like, sexual aggressor in that way. So, right. like, I read that. It was fine with me in terms of how it was read. And, and I, I mean, I thought that even the blurb on the cover, like, honestly, like, I th- I... I saw that as style points. You know, I mm, think I think mm-hmm. that was sort of a way of like signaling like who is the audience for this book? Like if if you're oh, for sure. if you're like a certain I mean I don't, I don't want to get all political here, but if you're a certain type of person, like you're going to see that and be like that this is not my book. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. And and I think it was it was style points. It was like, look, I mean if you are uh, a certain kind of reader who's like a little bit more like modern and cool with shit, then like this is like this this shit's just like we accept this. I'll give it's just yeah. Are you What's saying that? are you saying Ted Cruz wouldn't like this book? Uh, I don't think Ted Cruz likes very much. I'm going to self ding. <laughs> Fuck you, Ted Cruz. Well, we just completely alienated nobody. No, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Everybody hates Ted Cruz. Yeah. Everybody Even hates his own Ted family. Cruz. He is the least like politician in American history, right up there with um, what's his name, Turtle Face, Mitch McConnell. Uh, Mitch McConnell. Bring it back to the book. Adam. All right, fine, back fine, to the book. Fine. All right, sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Cut that and edit. All right, uh, all right. No, that's staying. You guys ready for the lightning round? Well, let's do We're it. We're gonna yes, bring sir. it back around. We got three questions here. Now this one's fastest hand, so I'll let you put down your drinks before I ask. Wait, them. are we? We got a bell in here. You, got, you guys can each have a bell. Okay. This one's speed. Get ready. I'm ready. What is the ninth house's necromancer power? Bone necromancy. Nailed it. Yep. One for Sean. Uh, if you were with us last episode, Mike won. <laughs> for which, the first time ever. Honestly, if I was playing, Mike would be in the middle. I'd be in last. Sean probably <laughs> would be in first. All right, ready? <clears throat> I got. I practiced this one a few times. What is one of Silas's Octasirian's names from Gideon? Nicknames. She calls him a few things besides Silas the blank. Uh, oh, shit. Go for it. Uh, Brother That's Silas? Sure. She does not call him Brother Silas. Oh, fuck! <laughs> Mike, you get to steal. Oh, I'm trying to... Oh, man. I'm trying really hard not to, like, give you a hint here because I really <laughs> want it to be a tie until the last one. <laughs> God damn it. You're being gamed against here. No, you're no, not. No, I... I'm just telling I, you. I, I don't The people like competition. No. All right. True. So, um... She calls him... Oh, wait, 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 wait. Go ahead. Go ahead. She calls him Wayface, right? No! She, I, I, oh, I want to accept it. Wayface is a Shakespearean But she says it. It's in the that's, book. That's, that's why I... I, that's why I remember What now, it. Wayface? Yeah. She does say it in the does book. She, that's why I remember it. Can you it. cite the page for me? What? Yes. I'm just yes. kidding. I'm just it's kidding. It's on page 212, so, about so, one third. I'm like a, a Lowe's, uh, you know, one of those people. Like, it's about a third of the way down the aisle on the left. Yeah, 212. <laughs> 212, You're like the, you're like the nah, rain man I'm, on no, the No, I'm not kidding, though. She does call him Wayface at some point in the book. 
Or or it's in like a description of him, but he's not here. But because I I, 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 am, I really want to listen, accept it, but I, I am Sean's a, gonna feel conspiratorial. You don't have to if us. it's not on your list. But it's I'm I'm, 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 I'm telling yeah, you, it's there because I am a Macbeth aficionado, and sure. I, I mental noted that. Sure. So you're so goddamn close. Paleface. She calls she calls him Uncle Mayonnaise. That I don't remember. Baby Uncle. Don't remember that. Yeah. Don't remember that. Milkman or Mayonnaise Magician. I don't remember any of those. That's hilarious. Basically, all the mayonnaise <laughs> jokes. So, like, Wayface was so I'm close. telling you, it's in the book. I don't need a point for it. it. Is I'm it, just is it way up part of mayonnaise? <laughs> I'm I trying to help you out. I would suppose so. <laughs> Thanks, all man. Right. Very, well, very generous. This last one's straight subjective. So, mm-hmm. you know, you do you. What is the best necromancer power and why? Oh, it's clearly... Sean? It's clearly Harrow's bone power. Por qué? Because she wins in the end. Oh, like come on! Who wouldn't want to summon a bunch of motherfucking skeletons to do your bidding? Oh, honestly, dude, and she can make like a bone cocoon to protect herself. She's got some badass fucking power. Oh, well, oh, my as a counterpoint, I was agreeing with you until you said the word cocoon, which reminded me, ah, yes, that a character in this book builds a cocoon around themselves of human flesh and fat. And that's pretty yes. fucking awesome, just for sheer comedic value. Would you rather be in a cocoon of fatty flesh or a cocoon of motherfucking bone? I'm gonna say fatty flesh, just because I think as I'm picturing people trying to attack me, and the sheer frustration they would feel, and and the hilarious noise of them banging away on you. Oh, oh god. Let's be honest. They came up upon Harrowock in the facility. You're right. She was in her cocoon, yeah. and it took Gideon, like, nothing to break that skeletal cocoon. Yeah, but we're talking about Gideon. That's fair. Who had, like, massive pipes and super She could do, like, super a thousand sit-ups, apparently, and, like, 300 push-ups, no issue. I think it's badass that Nana Jessimus can walk around with, like, little tiny chunks of bone flake and just throw them on the ground, and there's a fucking yeah. skeleton that comes out of the ground, like, holy shit, that's badass. What you're missing yeah. is Sean is rubbing in the fact that he can pronounce characters' names, and I can't. Not As evidenced by the fact that you've been calling her Harrow Hawk all yeah. episode. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. What is it? Harrow Hark. 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 Yeah. You have some polite co hosts who. You are Adam the mispronouncer. <laughs> yeah. That's a night. I like that. Adam. Adam? Adam the co host. Uh, a damn. Yeah. A damn the mispronouncer. Atom. Atom. <laughs> this is why I let them talk and I just ask the questions. Literally. Uh, maybe it's better it, that way. It truly is. Yeah, that's one more. <laughs> this is says. the way. Just don't talk. Just don't. Shh. Just you shut your mouth. <laughs> right. All right. So I'm going to declare this round a tie. You're going to have to listen in to the next episode, uh, which is the Book of Boba Fett. If you want to find out who wins, because someone's going to win at that one for sure. Oh man, Hands I don't down. know. Mike and I are both like. <laughs> We are, we are deep There's a lot of combined trenches. Star Wars knowledge. I'm there. out of my depth by fathoms. Oh, God. We are deep one. in the Death Star Trench when it comes yeah. to uh, our knowledge of that fucking I'm terrified of your technological IP. terror. You're out of your depth yeah. by by parsecs. That's true. <laughs> oh, I'm done, dear folks. I'm done. All right, so you know what? We would love it if you would look for a review of The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett later on this month. Let's be honest. They're the same thing at the end. And the Book of Mandalorian. Yeah, the Book of Mandalorian. <laughs> and we'll be reading The Witcher, The Last Wish, for next month. 
As always, remember to check us out on the socials at Nerds of Old Republic and uh, rate us and review us wherever you hear us. Sorry, the necromancer is killing my tongue. <laughs> Nothing is working. Sure, in my mouth. blame the necromancer. No, no, I'm just inarticulate whatsoever. All right. <laughs> so, uh, just to wrap it up, gents, do we recommend Gideon the Ninth? Sure. I, I do recommend it. I, I think yeah. there's a lot of potential in this first book. Sure. I, I think that the real, you know, success or failure of the series, I think, for me at least, will will rest on what the second book does. Uh, uh, Sean read a review. Yeah. You read it yourself. yourself. I know, but I gotta say this. You read Wikipedia. Yes. I know, which is like the cardinal sin. But I will say this. It's one of those books where I think you just need to just do it yourself. You just need to experience it. And you're gonna have your own experience with it. It's gonna either be really great or not so great. Yeah, I'll agree to that. I agree to that. This is one of the few books where I'm going to say that I'm gonna be a completist and probably finish it. Uh, I dug it, and uh, I want to see how it ends, and not just because Gideon's a ginger, and so am I. Uh, well, you bought it yourself now. Yeah, I you am. Soulless bastard. I have. I can walk in the daylight though. <laughs> You're a daywalker. Yeah, because I right. sold my soul though. It's gone. <laughs> totally gone. He has no shadow. Literally, right now, there's no shadow for him. <laughs> it's nighttime. Uh, all right. So you know what? It seems like most of us say, "Give it a read." And uh, see what you think for yourself on this one. We're not going to say yes or no hard because, you uh, know. Very promising. Yeah. Johnson Muir has a really great, like, there's there's a lot of good voice in there. And I think it's worth reading. For Absolutely. Sure. Some good laughs, some interesting gothic right. uh, revival science stuff going on. So uh, check out Gideon the Ninth by Tamsin Muir. And check out our next episode, which is all about... <gasps> The Book of Boba Fett Mandalorian is what I'm calling it. I know we've already said it, but I'm saying it again one last time. All right. Thank you very much for listening. And please remember to uh, rate us and review us wherever you hear us. We'll see you next time. Cheers. 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 Cheers.